Good evening. Our text of scripture tonight is coming from Jeremiah chapter 17. And I will commence at verse 5 and work my way down to verse 10. In your pew Bibles there is page 645. Verse 5 reads, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust rather is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man, man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds. Let's go to our God in prayer. Father, our God, our King, Father, I'm reminded even this evening of that old Anglican prayer that says, what we don't know, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not, O oh God, by the word of your power, make us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So our focus this evening <clears throat> will primarily be on Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, where it says here that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the immediate context here of this verse speaks of Judah's sinfulness in spite of all the blessings that they've seen of God. Jeremiah 17, 1 says that the sin of Judah is engraved with a pen of iron. With the point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablets of their heart and on the horns of their altars, saying essentially that their sin is engraved on the tablets of their heart. It's similar to saying, like it says there in verse 9, their hearts are desperately wicked. While the immediate context speaks, of the nation of Judah, that nation illustrates the human condition that is true everywhere and for everyone. We are all depraved at the heart level. Depraved simply meaning that we, our hearts, are wicked. I've learned from over various years uh, from various preachers in the beginning of a sermon, you should say something that captures the congregation's attention. And since our text and subject this evening is focused on the heart, I figured I'd use a little bit of my science teaching background and give you some of the, the amazing things that I've learned about the human heart over the years. The human heart, science teaches, beats about 115,000 times each day and pumps out 2,000 gallons of blood. The human heart weighs less than one pound. A man's heart is on average 
two ounces heavier than a woman's heart. But a woman's heart typically beats faster than a man's. The beating sound of your heart is caused by the valves of the heart opening and closing. Heart cells or cardiac cells, muscle cells, is similar to the cells of the central nervous system in the sense that they will grow and eventually mature and no longer replicate. So they no longer undergo cell division, which makes it almost impossible to have cancer of the heart. Science also teaches that laughter is literally good for the heart as it reduces stress and gives a boost to your immune system. The heart, the only organ that affects every part of your body, as its primary purpose is to pump uh, blood rather that lacks oxygen to the lungs so that it picks up the oxygen and returns it back to the heart and gets to pump, uh, gets pumped rather out to the remainder of the body and supply every single cell in your body with the oxygen that it needs to live. The heart is an extremely vital organ. I mean, studies have shown that you can literally die from a broken heart. Extremely rare, but possible. Therefore, in, in all of its vitality, the human heart still has its flaws as heart disease is still the number one killer in both the United States and the world. And to compound the heart's impact even more, Christmas Day is the most common day of the year for heart attacks to happen. And oddly enough, most heart attacks throughout the year occur on a Monday. So you see, the heart is essentially a gift and a curse to the human population, providing both life and death. And to compound this, our text this evening tells us that on the contrast, in the spiritual sense, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In fact, the Hebrew word, the anash in Jeremiah has the idea of a terminal incurable illness. That means that even in its physical form, chemo could not treat it. The human brain could not homeostatically correct it, and its failings would ultimately lead to death. At this point, we have to ask the question, what does the Bible mean, and particularly Jeremiah there when referring to the heart? He means the inner core of a person. The thoughts, feelings, desires, will, and choices that that person makes. Who he is or she is. But Jeremiah reminds us here to not trust the heart right after he tells Israel that the heart is incurably wicked. He asks the question, who can know it? In other words, it is not understandable to others. They can offer no remedy or solutions to his failings. And the apostle Paul understood this as he told the Corinthian church there in 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 that no one knows the heart of a man but that man. And the ESV of 1 Corinthians 2 says, for who knows a, person thought, a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? You see, in morning view, there is only one cure for the human heart. You ready for this? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, 
because the heart is connected to your soul, your mind, your will, your thoughts. It is often shaped by the things you've heard, seen, experienced, and those things that have ultimately shaped your conscience. And you can literally be deceived by those things, typically because those things lack one thing, and that is real truth. Real truth is that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save his people from their sins. And all you have to do is trust in him. And Jeremiah expounds on that fact there in verse 5 of our text tonight. He says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. If your thoughts, feelings, desires, will, and choices are not gospel-centered and directed, then you're trusting in an incurable, desperately wicked apparatus known as the heart, and it will ultimately pump you all the way to outer darkness. That's the law. But I love what Jeremiah teaches us here in verse 7 as he contrasts the gospel-centered thinking. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. I just love the contrast that Jeremiah puts on display here, curses and blesses. You see, the heart is able to coerce the conscience through nurture and experiences and ultimately lead a man to conclude, after all that God has provided for Israel, that there is no God. He concludes there is no God. But take a look at what the gospel of Jesus Christ can do. It can conform that same heart and teach him what Psalm 14 and 1 says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The heart and his deceitfulness is able to convince a man to believe that his position of hierarchy in this life is what determines his destiny. But the gospel of Jesus Christ removes that worldly thinking and reminds us what Proverbs 2, 21 and 1 says, that the king's heart, the highest position, is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it whatsoever way he chooses. The heart on its own will lead a man or a woman to think that he has to clean up what he's messed up, so to speak, or right his wrongs, or do good works in, in order to be right with God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ reminds us there in, in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love toward us, that in and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The human heart will lead a man to, a woman to think that being a quote-unquote good mom or dad will grant them acceptance into God's kingdom. On the contrary, the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him. The human heart will lead a man or woman to believe in his or her heart that they were, they were born this way. And this is, this is just how God made me. And therefore, it's not my fault. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us in John 3, 7, that even if you were born that way, you must be born again. The human heart will cause a man to think that he or she is a Christian when they, when they only show genuine love to those who look and act like them. They never show or share gospel truths with anyone at any time maybe their child, 
but they never encourage their brother or sister in the Lord. They see evil and hear of evil and ride right along with it, never really fellowshipping, never studying the word of God. But the gospel teaches us in 1 John 3, 14, that we know that we have passed out of death into life because we have love for the brethren. I think you get it at this point, probably 10 times over, but that the heart is simply not to be trusted and that the focus of your life must be Jesus Christ. And, and simply belaboring on that point of how important the heart really is to Christ himself, in Matthew 22 and 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus a question to test him saying, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus responds and, and says to the Pharisee, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This, he says in verse 38, is the greatest and foremost commandment. Then in verse 39, he, he, he says, the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40 reads, on these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Think about the capacity that is there in terms of the Lord telling you to love him with all your heart. All. That's 100%. That means that there's really no room to do anything else but he compounds it over and over again. When he says with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, something extremely important to point out here is that, as I told you in the beginning, those, things are, those three things are connected. Because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, meaning 100%, then you don't have any room for anything else. Then he compounds it and tells them, oh yes, in addition to all of that that you really can't do, oh yeah, love your neighbor by yourself. As yourself, rather. You know what he's teaching here? That they have a 0% chance of keeping the commandments. 0%. Because your heart, soul, and mind are incapable of doing such on your own. In your own strength, you cannot do it. Jesus is teaching them that everything that they have learned from the scripture, scripture is based on one thing, me. Let me paraphrase that for you. Don't let your heart fool you into thinking that you can keep any of the commandments because guess what? It doesn't have the capacity to hold it. It doesn't have the capacity. In fact, James 2 and 10 tells us that if you've broken one part of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And on the contrary, don't let your heart fool you into thinking that God doesn't require full obedience, because he does. And there is only one you must trust in that has done all that is required in the law, and it even kept it perfectly, and Jesus was showing them that he is that one. And I want to stop here and just sort of uh, give you a, a few points of application here. Look to Christ. 
on the first point here. Don't trust your self-esteem. Don't trust your heart. Let me be clear. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he has circumcised your heart, then by all means, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. But do not trust that old heart. Second point here. If the good Lord and all of his sovereignty has ordained you to have a new heart, then you ought to rejoice. But don't stop there. Tell someone else about what the good Lord has done in your heart as your testimony could lead a man right in the direction of Jesus Christ. Some of you, and the third point here, may be heartbroken this evening because you've lost a loved one or maybe losing a loved one because of the struggles in your marriage or a child that simply won't do as you've taught them. Or maybe you're broken, you're heartbroken because you're dealing with loneliness. Christians, I submit to you to cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Cast your broken heart upon him, and he will ultimately give you rest. The struggles of this world is simply a part of it. As 1 Peter 5 and 10 tells us, that after you have suffered a while, Christ will ultimately perfect you and establish you. And I want to close here with the story uh, from my dad, my biological father, who's passed away a few years ago. Dad um, ultimately came to know the Lord, uh, maybe 40 years old, 30, 40 years old. And he was excited about it. He would often tell me, remember the first time I ever heard any influence in regards to the Lord. And I was complaining. I was in early college. And um, he, I was complaining. He said, you know, Jermaine, sometimes you ought to tell the Lord thank you. Didn't quite get that, but I started trying. But ultimately, when I would need something from Dad, he was getting his life in order, struggle. And I would need something, I would call him, and I would ask him for a certain thing, and he would say, macho, and that's what my family would call me. He would say, macho. I would say, Dad, I need this, this, that. He'd say, macho, you know, I don't have it, son. He said, but I love you. And he would tell me that Jesus Christ loves me even more. And as I went on to study the scripture, I understood what Peter and John were experiencing there at the gate of beautiful in Acts chapter 3. But the man who was unable to walk from the time of his birth. And Peter and John says to him, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, take up your bed and walk. Beloved, as you sit here tonight, you've got enough power in you to at least tell somebody about Jesus Christ. You may not be able to give them all the things that they need, but you've got enough in you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have the power of what, to know what will happen with those words or with that gospel truth that is in you. You leave that up to the Lord, but you share it because you never know about what that seed that is planted in you will do. And that leads us tonight to our table. And guess what? This table is for all of you who have been given new hearts. 
for all of you who have been invited through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is indeed a time of rejoicing for you. The Apostle Paul reminded the church in Corinth there in chapter 11, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But if your heart has not yet come to that understanding that you must be born again and that you must be given a new heart and transformed by the renewing of your mind, then please let these elements pass so that you won't bring any further damnation upon yourself. As Paul goes on in, in verse 27 to say to them, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood, the body and blood of the Lord. And parents, if you would also uh, assist with the younger children, who have, younger children who have not yet come to that understanding as well as we let these elements pass, I'll say a prayer and I'll let the table servants come. Father, our God, our King, we thank you for your word, O oh God, for it is your word that has established our faith. And without faith, we recognize that it is impossible to please you. So, Father, even tonight, I pray that your word might go forth and regulate minds, regulate hearts, and even reinvigorate hearts. And potentially, with the seeds that are planted, save some. Father, help your children, help your people, help all of those who are even the image bearers to come to know you and to come to be able to glorify you and to even be able to enjoy these ordinary means of grace that you have set for your people. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.